can rely upon the scaffolding of the big ideas that we get from the scriptures to help guide us on how we ought to move through this world. And one of the big ideas is that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, God has placed you into a new family. And every single day of your journey, your pilgrimage, your way up that you're on is to learn what does it mean to be his child. When it comes to holiday foods, battles can erupt over how to cook the green beans or if the cranberries should be in jelly form. (laughs) You might have grown up eating them one way, but someone else's family made them differently. Today on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel invites you to explore some things you'll learn when you're a member of God's family. He'll explain that part of growing closer to the Lord is learning about how his family does things. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Psalms chapter 130 as he begins a new study called Learning to Be His Child. So every family functions differently. And part of being raised in a family is you begin to learn kind of how does this family work? Like I remember growing up, obviously, you know, I come from a very warm, close Italian family. And so my grandparents were always at our house. And I remember as we got older, every Sunday night, there would be a big family meal. My family would be there. Aunts and uncles would come in. Aunts and uncles who I I thought were aunts and uncles, but they're really just close family friends. They would be there. And everybody was allowed to be there. And so I remember though, but they would be cooking all day on Sunday. And, and, and sure enough, especially when I was a teenager, you know, you kind of find your way into the kitchen because you're hoping to, to, to catch a little bit of food, a treat before it's time. And I remember we'd be in there and they'd be cooking and, and I'd be kind of just snacking. I know that that's the chef's job, right? It's like you have to taste everything before you actually give it to anybody else. So I'd be in there kind of just kind of foraging for food. But at some point, invariably, I get thrown out of the kitchen. I know none of you can imagine that happening to me, right? Where you just get thrown at like, well, you get out of here. You're going to eat the food before everyone gets here. But I always remember when my grandma was in the kitchen, because my grandma had a little sweet spot for her grandson, that I could always just look at her and she would always slide me a little bit more food. And, and even though I wasn't allowed to hang out anymore in the kitchen, I always knew that if I, if I came by, grandma would just take a little treat and she'd hand it to me. She'd give me a little wink and give me a kiss and she'd send me out. And, and like, it's funny though, because that's kind of the way my family worked. I knew that you're not allowed to eat the stuff in the kitchen unless grandma was there. And then grandma would still take care of you. And so you learn those things about being a part of a family. Now, the reason I bring this up is because p- part of the journey of life for all of us is when a person becomes a child of God through their faith in Jesus Christ, you actually learn to be part of God's family. And it's a new socialization process that happens. I want to tell you a story. And, and, and I've always said it that, you know, confession is, 
is a good for the soul. It's not always great for the reputation. I remember when I first started walking with Jesus. Now, you know, growing up in the family that I grew up in, there was always a lot of, we would call it uh, being sarcastic, kind of hopping the ball. If they cared about you, they would kind of make fun of you a little bit. And I remember I was, a, I was a brand new believer and I was starting to make fun of a friend of mine, a girl's name was Sarah. And, and, and I was making fun of her and I thought I was being really like, it was just playful. But I just remember after a couple minutes of this, Sarah actually left weeping. And I remember just being like, why is she crying? And I went to her and I said, Sarah, you know, what happened? She's like, you were being so mean. You were like, I can't believe you would actually say that. And we're friends and in front of other people, like, why would you do that? And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. And I remember praying about it later and the Lord saying to me, Daniel, that's the way you used to talk. But in my family, we don't talk to people that way. Now, I wish I could say that I just got like all that stuff kind of taken care of right then. But really, because of each family, like you learn a certain way of living. And then when you join God's family, God has a whole new way to be human, a whole new way to interact. And in a lot of ways, the journey of life is the journey of what it means to learn how to not only be God's child, but also to interact with people in the context of God's family. And so as we've been doing this series through the Songs of Ascent, you know, Psalms number 120 to 134, we we call the series The Way Up because they were the pilgrim psalms when people would go on their way up to Jerusalem to worship those three times a year for those three pilgrim feasts. And these psalms become framing ideas for the lives of the children of Israel. And in a lot of ways, what we've been seeking to do, what I've been seeking to do in this series is to give you big ideas for your life. Because in a lot of ways, God gives us the, the, the main scaffolding for life. And then in the unique situations that we find ourselves in, if we don't have a specific verse for the specific unique situation, you can rely upon the scaffolding of the big ideas that we get from the scriptures to help guide us on how we ought to move through this world. And one of the big ideas is that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, God has placed you into a new family. And every single day of your journey, your pilgrimage, your way up that you're on is to learn what does it mean to be his child. And so we're actually going to take three Psalms today, but we're going to start with Psalm number 130. So go ahead, open up your Bibles or open up another browser window or or open up your favorite Bible app. We're going to start with Psalm number 130. So if you opened a, a Bible, I love reading the, the Bible anywhere. I'll read it on my phone, on my tablet, but I really love reading it in the book form, maybe because I'm retro like that or whatever. But it's, if you're opening up the Bible for the first time, Psalm's pretty easy to find because it sits right in the middle of your Bible. It's the largest book. Actually, it's, it's a book that's made up of a number of books, but there's 150 Psalms. So Psalm number 130, and it says this, It says, out of the depths, verse one, I cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word, I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption. 
and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Now, if I were to take this whole psalm and, and give you one big idea, it's simply this, is that you and I need to remember forgiveness while we're waiting. You need to remember forgiveness while waiting. Now, the reason this is so powerful, of course, is in order to become a child of God, our ability to be adopted into God's family is through the work of forgiveness that is offered to us as a gift by Jesus through his death on the cross. So you have to realize that what the Bible teaches is that God creates and sustains all people. But when a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, they get adopted into God's covenantal family where now you are a child of God and you are part of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. There's all these different pictures that are used in the scripture. But the only way to be a part of God's family, to be God's uniquely special child in covenant relationship with God is through the forgiveness that comes from Jesus. And in this psalm, what we see is that forgiveness is needed. And the reason forgiveness is needed is because all of us are imperfect. Now, I know that's not a newsflash, but oftentimes we live in a day and age where nobody actually wants to acknowledge the fact that they are imperfect or we're so used to our imperfections that we just kind of take it for, well, everyone's flawed. But listen, God isn't flawed. God is perfect. And in order for a perfect God to have covenantal relationship, fellowship with imperfect humanity... Forgiveness is needed. And so what's beautiful here is look look at what it says in the psalm. It says, out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. So the psalmist is crying out. They're in the depths. There's issues going on. Now, what are the issues? Look at verse 3. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, if you should take note of all of my failings, he's saying, O Lord, who would stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. See, he's saying, look, Lord, if you were to mark down all of the mistakes that I've made, none of us are able to stand before you. And listen, that's the default human condition. Every single one of us is sinful by nature. Now, people hear that word, and I realize that's a biblical word. I always like to remind people that when I say that people are are, are sinners, being a sinner doesn't mean that you're the worst possible version of yourself. Being a sinner actually means that none of us are the best possible version of ourselves. So it's not like you are always the worst. You always do it the most horrendous way. No, there's all sorts of ways that you could do things way worse. A sinner is somebody who is never the best version of themselves. And that's why the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, because there's only one human being who has ever always done those things that please his father, and that is Jesus himself, right? And that's why Jesus was the proper sacrifice to stand in the place of fallen humanity to take God's punishment upon himself. That's why I like to say I am grateful to be a Christian, and I am not ashamed to be a Christian, and I love that I get to follow Jesus, because only Jesus can say, I always do those things that please my father, in heaven. And I can never say that. I want to say that, but I'm not really quite there yet. I know, and I hope that you want to say that, but let's just be honest. You're not quite there yet either. And if you don't believe me, you can ask the people closest to you or your spouse. Not that they don't love you, but they know that you're flawed. And see, the psalmist is aware of his failings. The psalmist is aware of the fact that if God were to mark down, and God knows all the mistakes that we've made, none of us can stand. But there is forgiveness with the Lord. 
because God has done a work. And then verse five says, you know, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits and in his word, I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. He's saying, listen, in this season of waiting, we have to remember the forgiveness that God has offered to us. And forgiveness is the key to being part of God's family. Listen to 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. See, the Apostle John is aware of this reality that, listen, we, we don't want to sin. We, we, we don't sin because, you know, we just like, who cares what we do? But when we do, we realize that we have an advocate with the Father who's Jesus. And the only way to become God's child in that covenantal sense, in that, in that familial sense, is to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Now, for some of you right now, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And by the end of this message, I'm hoping that you're gonna do that because God wants you to be within his family. Now, for maybe many of us, we have already put our faith and trust in Jesus, right? So we're already God's child. Well, then in these seasons of waiting, in these seasons when things are not where we wanna be, where we're, where we're waiting for God to work on this journey of life, we have to remember that as you wait, God has already forgiven you. And because God has forgiven you, then we should fear the Lord. As we continue on in the psalm, it says, hope in the Lord, verse seven. For with the Lord, there is mercy and with him is abundant redemption and he shall redeem Israel. See, we, we, we see that in these seasons of waiting, when you're waiting for God to act as a believer, oftentimes when we're in a season of waiting, I don't know about you, I'm always learning I'm like the least patient person around. My bride, Lynn, who I love so much, just the other day, she's like, oh yeah, Daniel, you're a model of patience. And I started laughing. I'm like, oh yeah, definitely. Like you look up patience uh, on Wikipedia and there's a picture of me. And she's like, oh yeah, totally. You're so patient, you know? And so, so, but when I'm waiting, oftentimes when you're waiting, don't you get consumed with doubts? You get consumed with being like, this is never going to end. Insecurities start to pop up. When I'm in a season of waiting, it's almost never that I'm waiting in faith as I should be. I'm always waiting and I'm doubting and I'm worried and I'm scheming and all these things. But then you realize that when we're in a season of waiting, then we should remember forgiveness. Because when you remember what God has done for you in Christ, whatever you're waiting to see get worked out is actually small potatoes as the saying goes. It's small potatoes compared to the amazing work that God has done of redemption and forgiveness through Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? So are you waiting right now? I want you to begin to hope in the Lord. I want you to rejoice in the forgiveness that you've already received in Jesus. And when you do that, then you begin to praise God in the midst. And, and part of the pilgrimage of life is seasons of waiting. I, don't, I wish it wasn't that way, but that's just the way that it is. So if you're going to learn how to be God's child, and, and if that's one of the points of life is to, is to understand what it means to be a child of God, then we have to center our eyes on forgiveness, the forgiveness that has already been bought for us at the cross by Jesus. Now, we're going to move now into Psalm number 131. The next psalm here, Psalm 131, says it this way. 
And it says, of course, it's a song, a, a psalm of David. It says, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. Verse 2, surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Lord, hope, O, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. Now, this psalm is, it's short, it's simple, but it's actually really profound and elegant. What does this teach us? It teaches us that if we're going to learn how to be his child, we need to trust like a child. We need to trust like a child. Now, really here, David unpacks what it means to be like a child in the, in the arms of the Lord because he begins by saying, Lord, my heart is not haughty or proud, my, nor are my eyes lofty, which also could mean arrogant. Neither do I concern myself or neither do I walk the difficult path with great matters nor with things that are too difficult for me. He, he, he's saying, listen, like when you trust like a child, it begins with humility. And that's one of the things that you, I, I love so much about children, right? Because children are humble. Like, I, I've said this before, you know, uh, in the, this time that we've had of kind of quarantine and, and stay-at-home orders and, and distant learning, one of the things that my family has begun to do is uh, when we have our, our family times in the Word and in prayer, we always begin with a time of confession, right? And it's, it's a riot because in our time of confession, our youngest, Annabelle, who's six years old, she always wants to fest. She says, I, I, got, I got some fessing to do. That's what she says. Sounds like we're from like Kentucky or something. But we're not, you know. But, but she's like, I got some fessing. And every time someone goes to confess something, Annabelle has like four other things to confess. Now, what's funny is, is as the, the family members get older, we're a little bit more disinclined to confess. But, and Annabelle's so funny, she, 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 you know, I'm, I don't want to bear her soul, but she'll be like, you know, we're only supposed to have a junk cereal in the Fusco house on Saturday morning. It's a Saturday morning treat. And Annabelle will be like, I got to confess that I've been eating, I've been sneaking the junk cereal. You know, and she comes and we're like, ooh, and she's like, I'm sorry. You know, and, and, but what I love is that she's, she's not so self-aware that she's scared that you're going to dislike her. She's just owning her stuff. Right, And David is saying, listen, when you trust God like a child, you realize that God is God and we are but dust. We are human. And because of that, David's like, look, I'm not trying to be bigger than what I am. And and listen, this is a big problem today because we live in a culture, just because someone has an internet connection, that everybody thinks that they're an expert on everything. Like, it blows my mind sometimes. Like, like, even with all that's been going on, you know, with COVID-19, the number of people who have never even taken a science class since high school, they're all, like, posting up on the internet like they're, like, a doctor and stuff. And you're like, bro, you barely even, you, you skipped science class. Like, I was there. You weren't there. I didn't do good in the class, but I'm not posting about science stuff. Like, everyone thinks that they're an expert because they read an article, Right? And we live in a fact-check culture where people don't fact-check anything anymore because everyone has got this idea now that just because I have an internet connection that I am brilliant. And there's no such thing as expertise anymore because everyone, you know, and we all do it. I go, I went to the doctors recently and I was like, yeah, I got this, this, and this, and it could be this or this. He's like, oh, you found WebMD, did you? I'm like, I did. 
And he's like, okay, you know, and, 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 and we had a good chuckle. I'm like, I bet that happens a lot. He's like, not as much as you think it should, you know, but it's, but it's interesting because we have to remember that when it relates to God, all of us do not know very much. I'm always reminded that God is all knowing and there's very few things that I know well. That God is the Alpha and the Omega, and I have a hard enough time being present where I am, right? And, and all God has all knowledge, and on my best day, I see through a glass dimly. And so we have to realize that trusting God like a child begins with the humility to realize that when you and God are sitting down, God knows everything, and we don't know very much. If you remember the movie Happy Gilmore, you know, you are smart and I am not. You are good looking and I am not very attractive. If you don't know the movie reference, if you don't know it, don't worry about it. It's a classic. But, but you know, there's that scene where it's like where Happy Gilmore has to repent before the golf pro, you know, to be able to, to learn how to play golf. And, and in a lot of ways, if you're going to trust God like a child, you have to come to God humbly like a child. And of course, from there, then once we humble ourselves, then in verse two, surely I have calmed myself and quieted my soul. Now, that's a fascinating idea, isn't it? Because David is saying, Lord, I have done with the knobs on my side of the wall. I've worked to calm and quiet my soul down. Now, I like to talk about this, and, and you've all heard this if you've been part of Crosses for a while. I like to say that there's knobs on God's side of the wall. And then there's knobs on my side of the wall. And God is perfect at dialing in the knobs on his side of the wall for his purposes and plans to be done. But he leaves knobs on our side of the wall that we are responsible for. And David is saying, with the knobs on my side of the wall, I have calmed and quieted my soul. And then he uses an example like a weaned child with his mother. Now, I know it's kind of, when you hear it first, like, what does that mean? But if you think about a child who isn't weaned, they get fussy with their mom because they want to eat, right? It's like the original hangry is, is a child when they want to eat with their mom, but they can't say, hey, mom, I'm hungry. And so as their mom is nursing them, an unweaned child has a tendency to be tremendously fussy. Right? And, and I, I didn't personally experience it, but I did as a dad and I saw how that worked. But the idea of a wean child, when a child isn't self-focused with their mom for food, a child who doesn't need their mom to eat has a tendency to be very comfortable in their mother's arms. And so part of trusting God as a child is us learning how to love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And with the knobs on our side of the wall, learning how do we quiet our souls? How do we calm ourselves down in the midst of it? Because you can believe in Jesus and not be calm at all, right? Like you can say, I trust in Jesus, but in a moment you get hot under the collar or you get nervous about something and then you get yourself all worked up. And God actually asks us as we trust him to learn how to calm ourselves down. Right. As a parent, I know I, we try and do that with our kids. Like when something goes on, we say, "Okay, listen, take take a minute. We're going to come talk about this. And we try and coach our kids down. But then when you get older, there's no one there to coach you down. So you have to learn how to do it yourself with the Lord. And David's saying, I've done that. Like I, I've calmed and I've quieted my soul. And, and, and part of that is it's impossible to calm and quiet your soul if you don't trust in the Lord, because how's these things going to work out otherwise? Jesus is 
Any parent of young children knows the glorious quiet of nap time. <laughs> as much as you love your kiddos, it's good to take a moment when the house is still. Today, Pastor Daniel reminded you that no matter what's happening in your life, God wants you to learn to calm yourself, to quiet down and connect with Him. But finding calm in the storms of life requires that you choose to trust that God is enough for you, whatever your circumstances may be. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will help you walk through some more special characteristics you'll learn when you're part of God's family. You'll find that humility and trust are key character traits that God wants you to develop as you journey through life. When you trust God, you'll grow in humility and peace. Then you won't be rocked, even when it seems like your world is on shaky ground. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called The Way Up. Until then, may God bless.